Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. We are heading into what will be our last episode in the month of May. And to commemorate, I shouldn't say to commemorate Memorial Day, it's not why we're doing this. We have a special guest is the point I'm trying to make. Our very fantastic and very illustrious Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Chackness. Ben, say what's up to the listeners. What's up? What's up? Not much. I mean, I'm doing good. I'm 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 thrilled to be here. Uh, hopefully, you're thrilled to be here. It's going to be a great. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, it's going to be a great episode of of discussing all things in sundry, and it's not just going to be you, Ben, and me illegal. It's also going to be our usual other two co-hosts, Nerd Bomber and Tactic. Say what's up, guys. Hello, hello, everyone. Hey, hey. So here on this conversational journey, our group grows from three to four. It's very exciting. It's it's great to have all of you here. And uh, we're just going to dive right in to talk about maybe some of the biggest news of the week. We're referring, of course, to the news about the Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut, this this mythical thing that's been talked about for, what, what's it, two years now at least. People, people clamoring for it. They put up ads in Times Square and flew things over Comic-Con saying, release the Snyder Cut. There's hashtags, all kinds of things. Well, to all those people out there who are begging for it to happen, it is finally happening. It is coming to HBO Max, presumably, well, reportedly in 2021. They'll be bringing it. They called Zack Snyder himself and basically asked, are you interested in doing something with this mythical Snyder cut that you have? And uh, he agreed. So so HBO Max is supposed to debut on May 27th. It's, of course, HBO's streaming service that is being designed essentially to rival things like Peacock and Disney+. Plus. And they will have the Snyder Cut in 2021. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, I guess I should ask around, how many people here have seen the non-Snyder Cut of the Justice League? Because that's also worth noting. We're talking about the Justice League here. The Snyder Cut is Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. I have not. I this is just so bad because I'm such a fan of DC Comics in general and like the DC superheroes I really love. But I heard so many bad things about Justice League that we just never watched it. Uh, ben. Yes, <clears throat> I've seen it, and I'm I'm a little lukewarm on the on the on the movie. Yeah, I'm in kind of in the same boat. So, so so I saw it. I actually saw it in theaters. This was during the time that Movie Pass was a thing. So I would see anything in theaters because <laughs> um, I too had heard it wasn't great, and I went to see it. I actually went to see it when I was traveling. It was just like I had a down night. and I went to see it, and it was honestly impressive at, at points how how not great it was for, for the amount of money that was thrown out the amount of star power the amount of hype obviously given that it was supposed to be dc's avengers it just kind of fell flat in a number of ways and, and in part because of that people are now clamoring or have been clamoring for the snyder cut so that said yeah. the first thing you had just pointed out is the amount of hype and it was still not great I kind of feel like that's going to happen with the Snyder Cut, because now this has been clamored as, this is the answer, this is the fix, this is the one we should have seen. And I feel like that's a really high bar that's being set, and oh, yeah. potentially people are going to set themselves up for disappointment. I mean, I have yeah. like two kind of competing takes on it. Like One, I am happy to see that so many people are getting what they want. I personally am not super invested. I probably will watch it if I ever get a chance to. I'm definitely not going to subscribe to a streaming service specifically to watch it. I do think it's a smart move from HBO Max's point of view because they needed something, I think, to really draw people in. And this is something that's pretty huge. Yeah, they're capitalizing on the hype. Right. And so, like, I'm happy for Zack Snyder to have his vision out there in the world. I'm happy for the people who are clamoring for this. In the same vein, though, I don't know if it'll really make a difference because we all saw what 
Batman versus Superman was. And Zack Snyder had his hand in that entire movie. And I was very underwhelmed by that entire movie. And I know the Justice League that we got was a little more light, I guess, in terms of tone. And that this new Snyder cut is obviously going to be like a three plus hour dark epic that he had envisioned. But I just don't know if that is a good thing because Batman versus Superman was really, really not great in my opinion. I'm curious too what the response would be. So let's say hypothetically the Snyder Cut is wildly successful, right? So so now they could, I guess we'll call it, correct the storyline and say, hey, this is the reality. This let's just Retcon, pretend this didn't happen. Yeah. Would it's, they do I, something like that, or would they stay stay true to their trajectory without Snyder? Well, so there's a lot of things to to break down here. I'll, before I say anything, I want to make it clear that I am not a Zack Snyder fanboy. I think the criticisms you just leveled towards Batman versus Superman are well-founded. And I also think that the problems with Justice League, I think this is something you were hinting at, Nerd Bomber. Uh, While Justice League had tonal problems, its biggest problems were not tonal, uh, I don't think. Um, And I don't think they're... I think the biggest problems Justice League had were not things that Zack Snyder's whatever visual acuity can come in and fix. With that said, I think it's super, super cool that, you know, this is a, this is an extremely enormous context in which fans were actually heard and the voices of fans were heard in a sense to, you know, people have been crying, release the Snyder Cut for years. And I'm among the people who thought it's never going to happen. If it's not out now, it's never going to come out. Uh, so it's cool that it is coming out. Guys, it's four hours long. Is what is it I really? have an article from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, oh, I heard a figure of six. Well, so so the, you might be uh, mixing up the figures. So so what they're saying is the project will debut in 2021, possibly in a four-hour director's cut or in six TV-style quote-unquote chapters. Oh, okay. So so it, it, well, you might be right though, because I mean, it, my guess is what this is is a lot of footage that like needs editing apparently. So there might be six hours there, and they might either want to put it into a four-hour movie, which still seems like at that point cut it down to three. Four hours is obscene, or they want to just break it up into six one-hour kind of installments or do what they did with endgame part one part two sure i i mean justice league cannot be fixed i i i know that's like i don't want to rain on the parade of people who are excited about the snyder cut but the reason that endgame was so good you just you just mentioned endgame so i'll 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 bite was that they and the reason that avengers was so good is they took a couple of movies to set up avengers before doing avengers the justice league premise is okay we did what one movie and okay let's let's just skip let's cut to the chase let's have our cake and eat it too and just make an an ensemble movie where you don't know like most of the members of the ensemble it doesn't work it crumbles in on itself like i i don't know i think the only way that they would have been successful with a justice league type scenario is is if they captured on the alternate timeline where superman was born and raised in russia because otherwise yep. he's just he's just too perfect. He need he serves better as the villain than he does the main hero in my opinion. Well, and, and I, we've talked about I think on the podcast we've talked about the problems with Superman as a character and mainly the problems I have with him which are that he is he is too infallible, right? He is a one-trick pony in terms of like do you have kryptonite? No. Okay, you lose. It's not interesting. And Justice League is no exception to that rule. Spoiler alert. I know Nerd Bomber and Technic, you didn't see it, but Superman comes back and they win because he's back. Like it's, it's, it's very, very, 
guess underwhelming is the word. I don't know. But Ben, you saw it. I mean, what w- way in here? You know, you mentioned being mixed about it. And there were parts that were good, but... My, my main part was that I didn't like the evil characters. The way that they were animated seemed very strange to me. Mm-hmm. It didn't mm-hmm. seem like it was super high quality. That was my big problem with it. The story was okay, but it was... Yeah, it was it was as simple as he put it. It was just basically, oh, Superman is not here. We're not doing so well. Oh, Superman's back. We win. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. And, it was, yeah. And it's it. You know, I think the other issue I have with it, as I think back to it and dissect it more than I probably should, is they're they're putting Batman. I have to single out Batman because they're putting him into into scenarios where he is fighting steppenwolf and like fighting otherworldly cosmic creatures that i know that there are animated shows and comic books where he's doing that right to me batman is made for his rogues gallery of like penguin two-face joker like people who are dastardly criminals for sure but they are not the world isn't at stake in most batman stories i feel like i i, I mean tactic i feel like you're about to so, correct me because yeah, you're a batman i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> But Batman's whole thing is he can virtually take on anyone with preparation. And that's my key here. He has never, ever been designed to just jump in and go, hey, my bat fists are going to do the trick here. And and that in itself is, is what needs to be carefully curated when it comes to him facing opponents, in my opinion. He's fighting, like, he's fighting aliens and, like, he's doing things that... Ah, I just I can't get there. Like, like juxtapose it's, him with the Christian Bale Batman, and it it falls apart. Sorry, Ben, you were going to say well, something. The yeah, the other thing too that that uh, as far as the Batman sort of problem for me is he's not a leader, and, and right, and, and they sure they sure try to make him one. That's like yeah, he's like they're trying to make him the Captain America of of the Justice League movie, pretty much through the whole thing. Um, sorry, you were saying. Well, he he yeah, kind he, of he kind of is a silent leader. One of my favorite uh, again, I'm a big person in the animated series, but one of my favorite uh, movies is one where all of the Justice League was taken down, and the reason why they were so well not taken down, but they were turned against, turned evil, right? They, uh, they I think it was a bacteria that like took over their mind, and Batman was the only one who was able to take down each and every single one because. In the shadows, he had said, oh, okay, this person, right. this is their weakness. He he developed a way to take down each and every one of them because that's the kind of guy he is. He's not a leader, but he's the guy who's, who works in the background to make sure that the ship is is going on on the right course. He, he's a contingency guy. Is like, yeah, he, he has plans for things and, you know, and, and that he's great in that role. I, I won't argue that. But Ben, I think what you were saying is, you know... In Justice League, they try to make him into something that he is not. Yes. And and he, as a character, tries to be something that he's not, too. Right. So that's, you know, I don't know if Snyder had anything addressing that. I wouldn't say that you would deviate that far from what Batman was doing in the movie. I think it's the right. same thing. It's Batman as a leader, and that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. And, and that's exactly um, the point that I was trying to make earlier, is that... You know, Zack Snyder, people love him and, you know, 300 was a big deal and he's made, I think he did Watchmen, that was pretty good and, like, he's clearly good at doing movies like this but there's only so much that he can fix, you know, and I don't know if he's capable of this, but... Well, then, also, editing, right? There's a reason why people edit. 
Yeah. And, and if you're and if you're and if you're making a four hour version plus of a movie with no edits, that doesn't mean it's better. Right. And that doesn't mean that the vision that the director had is is a better vision. One one case in point that I enjoy the movie version more than the 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 director's cut is Blade Runner. I enjoy the the original Blade Runner movie the way it is. The way that basically it it makes more sense to me that way. There's there's too much extraneous right. stuff in in the, in the one that's the director's cut and, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason why there are editors out there. I think there's a stigma generally associated with director's cuts and and like I would say rightfully so to your point that they like they're self-serving to a large extent and I, granted i don't know that the snyder cut is that i think the snyder cut is his vision which was later later drastically changed but like in the case of blade runner ridley scott made blade runner and put it out and it was you know adored people still love it and it's it's this cultural icon and then at some point at the time it wasn't at the time at the it time sure. it was not it was completely misunderstood and people didn't really know you know in fact i remember when i saw it when I was when I was younger, my father, in his infinite wisdom, decided to take myself to, and my brother to go see this movie when we were at an age where we really probably couldn't understand it too well. Right. But he really enjoyed the movie, and later I, you know, I I enjoy the movie now. But at the time, I didn't understand a lot of what was going on. I just wanted to go into the lobby and play arcade games. That's, right. That's what I. Well, but but like his because I I think really Scott's director's cut came out much later when when the film was finally realized as as being as successful as it was. But it's more I, I don't know how to put it other than I think it's self serving in a lot of ways where he's saying okay this is what you idiots saw now look at what I actually had that got scrapped you know it's it's almost I don't know there's a high and mightiness to it I think a lot of the time but I, and again I I don't want to ascribe that to Zack Snyder. I think Zack Snyder probably means very well, but also four hours. I mean, if you're going to make something that's four hours and it's supposed to fix a huge movie like Justice League, boy, it better be it better be perfect. <laughs> I mean, the, like like Nerd Bomber, when, like you said at the very beginning of this, the stakes are so high for this thing, and it's there's so much is, is expected of it after all this hype. Actually, maybe it was you that said that tactic. I can't remember who, but but it was me. It's there's it's my feminine a, voice. It, you, you you guys do sound very alike, but there's there's so much riding on it that that. It is going to be interesting to see, you know, I'll, I'll tell you right now, both because I don't have HBO Max, I don't plan on getting it, and because I didn't like the original Justice League, I don't think I'll watch it, but it's going to be interesting to see <laughs> what people think of it, because at this point, there's a lot riding on it. So, Justice League, the Snyder Cut, if you're a big Zack Snyder fan, if you've been waiting for this for years, it looks like you're going to need HBO Go. And HBO Max. Of, HBO Max, sorry. HBO Go is the one that already exists. Speaking of paywalls... Because I'm assuming HBO Max is going to have a paywall. Uh, we're going to have to take a second to talk about the internet phenomenon of the coronavirus pandemic known as Some Good News. Now, Some Good News, for those that do not know, first of all, if you don't know about it, you should go watch it right now. Pause the podcast. It's fine. It's a YouTube channel that uh, actor-director John Krasinski, also known as Jim from The Office, created uh, during the coronavirus pandemic to try and essentially spread goodwill in a very charming way you know just this guy making a show trying to gather good news from around the world on social media and reporting it like a very low budget news broadcast 
this ran for 14 episodes was by most accounts extremely successful on youtube and it was announced this week just after he concluded with i think the last episode came out on monday of this week it is being purchased he made a deal with cbs all access or actually i think specific, more specifically cbs viacom or viacom cbs is actually the way it's ordered to uh stream it on cbs all access which we should break this down because i know from brief conversations with some of you that i disagree with some people on this uh whether it's a good thing whether it's a bad thing and i don't want to be the one to go first so let's go over to technic you know what are your general thoughts on this you know this this show started as this kind of cottage thing and now it's being turned into a big show which by the way john krasinski will no longer be hosting that's one of the few details that's known about it so far so I think it's good news, and here's why. John Krasinski created it as a means to uplift people during a pandemic. It was not intended to be this forever thing. And so the fact that the opportunity came about for him to offload it, I think is is, is a really good deal for, for John Krasinski because his passion really is in directing and normal life thing. It's not pandemic some good news. Um, needless to say. The other side of it is, if you ever sat down and watched the news, it is the most depressing thing it ever. Is not they, they never tell you great things happening in your area. It's And even if they do, it's like, oh, and by the way, if you look on the bottom of your screen, so-and-so got shot in the face. No, not, in, not fun to watch. So the fact that news outlets are, are looking to promote good things in their area and promote good news while there is a paywall that I'm disappointed on, this kind of logic to to spread positivity, I'm for and 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 absolutely keep this kind of thing going and absolutely offload it onto someone else that's not John Krasinski so he can do what he does and loves, which is directing. So I should I should clarify a point. It, it is there are conflicting reports on whether or not it will be behind a paywall. The initial report that came out said it would be, and that has been wa- walked back by certain people pretty quickly. It's unclear. I'm my, my guess is that it will release on CBS All Access exclusively, but then will be redistributed to other Viacom properties like Nickelodeon and what have you to be watched by everybody. I, I'm going to take the bait and, and provide what I think is a dissenting opinion to what you just said. I really, I've watched every episode of Some Good News. I, I really love it. And I think the vast majority of why I like it is the antithesis of, of broadcast television. And what I expect for to happen is for CBS to take control of this property and bastardize it to the point that it's no longer recognizable. I, I, I completely agree that good news in a world where broadcast news is largely bad news is super necessary. But the charm of this show came almost entirely from the fact that it was one guy specifically john krasinski who has a lot of charm and also a lot of famous friends to do fun cameos making this show at a low budget in his house during what was frankly an unprecedented time i i'm, I'm kind of back and forth on the fa- on the john krasinski element because like you said he has his own things to do and i don't fault him for that but he's coming off as a sellout and in any in, in the statements he's made following the news of this he has sounded tone deaf and so, to a large extent undercutting what the show is supposed to be about. And that part upsets me. Um, the one thing I will say is that in a lot of the reports and that I've read at least about the sale of some good news is that John Krasinski originally really resisted selling the property. He did not want to do this. So that kind of leads he, me to he believe. Was, 
yeah, he was that, getting a certain amount of money is what happened they said how much is it going to take is i'm guessing because i think he does well, love what he what he's done I, mean, I, I heard there was a bidding war. Yes. There so was. that would involve multiple companies, and that's not like, we'll give you this much. I mean, maybe maybe what Nerd Bomber said is correct, right? Where it's like he resisted, but then when people start bidding and say, we're going to give you this amount of money, right? there's a point at which how much is it worth, right? Right. I mean, and like he's still going to be the executive producer or one of the executive producers. So I wonder if, because a lot of times behind the scenes, it's not just about the number. There's always other things involved when you sign a contract. And especially something this beloved and that he put a lot of effort and that was so well received for what it was. I have to imagine that there has to be some guarantee in place that it will follow his lead and follow his direction. And it won't just become the super corporate BS, tone deaf, like syndicated good news thing that really doesn't resonate with anybody. I feel like John Krasinski will still have some kind of guiding hand in there. And that's probably why CBS, Viacom or whatever they're conglomerate title is it's probably why they won out i wouldn't be surprised if it necessarily didn't go to the highest bidder but i wonder if it went to the highest bidder that had the right things in place yeah that allowed for john krasinski to maintain what the brand and the image was at least i would like to think so maybe he did just sell out but i would like to think so i don't know so i want to pose the question to you guys if they so when they hire inevitably someone to take john krasinski's role would you like it to be another actor or actress, or would you have it be some average Joe guy like like you or me? Um, I'd rather I'd rather it be a, a regular person. I'm- All right. So some good news. I am taking um, offers. Just putting that out there. Uh, thanks for taking the bait, Ben. That's what I was hoping you'd say. See, I have to dissent again. I I, I hate to be the no the no no person here, but I would want it to be. I mean, for, I'd want it to be John Krasinski. If I'm being honest, but if I if it had to be someone besides him, I would want to be somebody famous. I I, I mean, Michael I, I think if you watch the last episode of this show, what he did for the last episode was he brought together a community of people who were essentially imitating his show and had them do segments, which was a cute idea. But one of my favorite things they did on Some Good News was the weather, and he would go to one of his famous friends who he probably just DM'd on Twitter to say what's the weather looking like. And they would, they would go to like Samuel L. Jackson saying it's pretty good. And it was magical. And I, I like, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose the, the, the famous factor in it. But, but if John Krasinski is, is still involved, you're not going to, he still has his contacts. He can still set things up like that. I, I think the, the reason I, I want to um, say that, a, a normal no-name person as the face of the show is to make it more relatable and it's not just sure. actors sitting in their ivory towers telling you good news it's someone who's like tactic right <laughs> who's relatable who's you know you hear that uh, guys a good i'm heart, relatable you know? I, I i get your point i mean man i'm, I'm back and forth on this because like i do i sympathize with john krasinski who is probably now taking a lot of flack and he probably just wants to like, ma- I don't know, make a quiet place three or something and like live his life. I honestly think I would rather it just end. Like, like, like I don't want to see it get turned into like, like the example I keep thinking of for better or for worse is America's funniest home videos. It's been on the air for a billion years. Bob it's, Saget it's, would it's, be fantastic as a replacement. 
actually. But it's, it's, it's this show that is like built around like having fun and like positive values. No one watches it. <laughs> like I haven't watched it for many, many years. I have no plans to because it, it's charmless. At least to me, it's charmless. And like I, some good news was just this really great thing when it was some person saying, okay, I'm going to try and change the world by going on YouTube and uploading a video that I made in my house. And yes, he's a famous person, but for me, it's one of those things where I say, yeah, I, I I can hear where you're coming from, but I don't want to crap on it until I give it a chance. And that's a fair opinion too. I'm, I'm being a negative Nancy about it. I'll acknowledge that. I'm, I'm not, it's not in the spirit of some good news to be so, so dark and gloomy about it. But I mean, it is, it's very interesting to think about too, though, because it's kind of like capturing lightning in a bottle and some good news wasn't the only one. I mean, Animal Talking, which Gary Weta has had huge success on his hands with, where he basically built a a studio set in his Animal Crossing home and has been inviting famous guests like T-Pain onto his show to talk about just random stuff and basically have like a late night talk show on Twitch and YouTube. I mean, I think we're in a very interesting time right now where we're all stuck at home and these type of things work because we're all just kind of bored and craving entertainment. And so like, I I really do wonder even if these things like some good news, if it gets syndicated, I mean, I know I personally, I haven't watched a new show and this is terrible. It's been a long time for me. Yeah. I haven't watched actual live news. I usually just get my news from the internet and look at a bunch of different sources so it'll be interesting to see whether that lightning in a bottle effect that we're having right now, because we're all home and we're all just kind of like interconnected together while we're all apart. Like, will that continue once this is all over? Will some good news still have that appeal anyway, regardless of whether it's syndicated? Because I think a lot of the charm of it was we were all stuck at home and it was bringing really great yeah. news and uplifting stories in a time when we really all needed it the most. I think if you go five years into the future and this is all behind us, hopefully, like, will people <laughs> still need that and crave that in their lives? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, um, I think, yeah, I think the audience might be a little bit lower, but, but I, I don't know. Like, I think what he has done to, to kind of end this discussion on a positive note, what he has done, he, so he won a Webby earlier this week for his special achievement award. Essentially, you know, they give it to mostly famous people, to be honest, but people who create these web presences that are innovative. And there's no doubt that he did that. And 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 was it kind of based on the precedent that we're currently living in, which is this, this totally uncertain time? Yes. But I, I don't know if that means it can't survive past the coronavirus pandemic. I just, it has to do so in the right way. And I, I, don't, I don't know if this is it, but, you know, we'll, we'll find out. And it, it is worth congratulating John Krasinski because he did something really great. And now he is benefiting from it, whether you like it or not. You know, he's done something good. So on that note, we are going to take our usual short break. But before we do, we are going to uh, give an unusual in-person shout out to our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Jackness, who is here with us today, of course. So Ben is supporting us on Patreon. He has been for a while. We're super grateful to him. Uh, for all he helps out with the show. He supports us on Patreon at the highest level, which is the night level, which gets him this producer credit, also this guest spot. Uh, He gets input into our game segments every week. Uh, This week, he will be participating in the game segment, uh, which I am hosting, which the topic is secret. Get excited for that. 
he also gets access to the monthly secret segments and vlogs. So yeah, Ben's super cool. You want to be like Ben. If you're not quite as cool as Ben, we have a Squire level of support, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And then of course, there's the lowly page, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So if you're interested in getting more of the details about that, being on the show like Ben is, uh, you can head over to uh, patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for more of the details. Thanks again to Ben. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Kyle and Nick and we're from Dem Fancy Dinosaurs, a weekly comedy podcast revolving around movies, TV shows and pop culture. We release a new episode every Thursday and you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Why did you say that like a question? I don't know. Okay. Anyway, yes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and any of the podcatchers. Or you can look up www.demfancydinosaurs.com. Thanks, guys. Stay fancy and enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so we're back and we're going to do a brief chat about this week's release. I think it was May 20th of the extended look at the gameplay for The Last of Us 2, which is, of course, one of the bigger releases uh, coming up. Uh, June 19th is when that comes out. So getting very close now. It's no secret to those people who have listened to the podcast that I am a huge The Last of Us fan. Uh, so I was pretty much glued to this. I think it was like an eight or nine minute video, just kind of describing some of the, the things they ran through, or the things they, they added to the game. They ran through a bunch of that. Uh, hiding under cars, they added a jump button, just generally trying to increase the playable character's agility, given that Ellie is significantly smaller than Joel. Kind of, spoiler alert, Ellie is the playable character, but that's been known for like years at this point. And just generally, you know, th- this this video was structured as an interview with the director of the game, and what comes through anytime they interview Neil Druckmann, what comes through is that he cares very deeply about the story elements of the game, which to me are the most important thing. Uh, so it makes sense that I love the game as much as I do. And I'm, you know, my review of this, re- of this gameplay review was it looks amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't I know think what you they added thought. all of the right things that were missing for sure. First and foremost, the thing that got me most excited was the expanded weapon customization to be able to see that you can use a bottle as a suppressor on a pistol, I thought that was super creative and definitely mm-hmm. along the vein of what you would do in a, an apocalyptic scenario, right? Because you're not just going to pick up a suppressor and go, oh, yeah, this is great. The other thing is the dodge was 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 definitely oh, yeah. needed at this point because right now in uh, the first one, it's just kind of a hoodies oh, motion where you just quickly turn around and run in the other direction and yeah if if that's the way that i get out of a tussle well i'm asking to be shot in the back it doesn't have that sense of realism that i think this game was missing so spot on what a great addition and it it goes with going from joel to to to, thank you to ellie because he is just this big bruiser that can take a couple hits because he is this big bruiser whereas she is more petite so she has to be agile and on her feet so this dodge definitely definitely was needed and it's definitely super appropriate to yeah. keep um what the character's attributes are alive so super excited about what i see those are my two favorite takeaways i don't know what, what do you guys think so for me I, so i've never played the last of us and that's probably like the one glaring hole in my gaming resume is that i've never <sighs> played the game we own it i just have never gotten around to it 
And so I didn't actually realize until watching this video that things like jump, dodge, and even the ability to lay prone weren't in the original game, which nope. kind of reinforces the fact that I kind of need to play the first one before I play this. Obviously, like I kind of know the story a little bit. I've been spoiled because the game, it's, it's not new by any means. But just to make sure that I have those mechanics down and can appreciate what's been added to the game, I feel like I need to go back and play it. And I do like one of the things that I really liked was that they're putting a lot of focus on making sure that you don't feel like the strongest one in the room. And this was something that I think Horizon Zero Dawn did really well with Aloy, where the game puts a lot of emphasis on being scrappy and resourceful over being strong, because I think that will really make it feel more realistic, especially since you do have a younger character, a character that's not as strong as Joel was in the first game. I think having that ability to be scrappy, hide under vehicles and stuff like that, that's super important to make the game feel more immersive and realistic. So yeah. I was super stoked to see that. I, I think I, I took for granted a little bit that things like jump and dodge are in game. So I just kind of assumed that was in the first game. But I think that will really round out what your abilities are in the game and make it feel more just enjoyable to play for sure ben thoughts i did have one major thought mm -hmm. that when they brought it up during the video it looked amazing let me just say that let me just preface this comment I, by saying yeah i know what you're gonna say it looks pretty amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the one problem that i saw was when they said that they have scripted major parts of the story and you can miss them yeah. if you don't do that sort of thing. Now, you know, I don't know if they're going to handle it something like a Detroit, um, was it Detroit Become Human? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Where they gave you a map and you kind of knew where you skipped parts or in, you know, retroactively so you could experience those people pieces of the story. Because I think most game they should they should give you that. I mean, that's, you know... I feel like what they were intending that to be is to not be parallel parallel paths, but rather kind of bonus content in the background where, where characters are talking about their own personal life, and you can kind of peer into that, and, and I guess you would call it cookies or, or, or things like that in the background where it's not pertinent or there isn't its own storyline, but they, they do have their own individual character arc. At least that was my interpretation. So it's it's yeah. it's bold for sure. I, I mean, as, as someone I just mentioned how story focused I am. I know Nerd Bomber is also a super story focused gamer. So yeah, to mm -hmm. the, the the mere notion of okay, if you don't go in this house that's abandoned, you're gonna miss a major plot point. Like I, I you know I would hope that's not tied into like the main plot of the game. What what I would assume, although maybe it's more what I would hope. Like like Tactic said is okay, if you go into this house, you know, you get into this situation that shows you more, teaches you more about who this side character is or teaches you about a certain side of Ellie that you wouldn't have otherwise known about. You know, it's it's a fine line for sure because you don't want them to feel like, you know, side quests or needless diversions, but you also don't want to deprive the player of something that they clearly care. If you're playing The Last of Us, you, you care at least a little bit about story. So... It's, you know, and, and on top of that, the interesting thing they mentioned, I don't know if you might have been heading towards this as well, but they mentioned specifically that you're, they're not putting enough in one playthrough, you don't have enough crafting items to upgrade everything or didn't, they, they made it sound like it wasn't even going to be close to that. And like, as someone who is a, a completionist and a forager in games like this, it hurt to hear. <laughs> I, I will acknowledge that, you know, 
it makes it interesting and it gives it, it both of these things give it replay value which is kind of a good thing but it's definitely bold and I, now i know ben too you made a point of there's a specific part of the gameplay review where ellie picks up a magazine <laughs> and it's like a hunting magazine i guess and the implication being because the people are talking in the background that you just you just that's how you learn stuff and yeah that's that's one of my favorite video game tropes is you pick up a book and then all of a sudden, you know, yeah, you know, whatever it is in the book, quantum physics, yeah, it, it's which is really weird considering how I mean, how realistic it is. That's that's like one of those things that would kind of take me out of that realism. I mean, just you know, just that one thing is just kind of like really. So <laughs> right. I think it is super realistic because I like to relate it to the terms and conditions that every single one of you read in, in a half a millisecond, <laughs> checks the box, and then continue on. Yeah, I've gotten really good at reading those. You know, they're all the same thing. So you just, boom, you read, take one second. So you think of it, it like that. She's reading the terms and conditions and saying, yep, I read these legally. That's my proof. I agree. And I agree. Now I can now I can use a bow and arrow with expert efficiency. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so... so um, that that's I mean that's a rough summary of what this gameplay preview was. You can go check it out if if you want. You know if you're excited for Last of Us Two like I am. Um, w- with all this in mind, though, I, it, it kind of segues into our next topic because for this next topic, we're gonna I'm I'm gonna turn the keys to the podcast over to Ben, who is going to essentially interview. My understanding is he's going to interview kind of each of us about you know some of our favorite game studios. And hint hint, Ben, I would like to go first. <laughs> um, but you can okay. You know, well, I mean, is it okay? Do you do you want me to? Uh, I mean, I, I intended this more to be just a kind of a a discussion of you know what what studios can do no wrong in your eyes, right. what developers can do no wrong. Because I've got it's kind of a what are you up to, what are you up to Wednesday sort of thing. Oh. I bought a new game from one of my companies that can do no wrong in my eyes which is platinum they came out with um the wonderful 101 remastered and uh it was to my surprise available on the ps4 so it's available on the ps4 the wii and the switch or the wii i'm sorry the ps4 the pc and the switch it was originally released on on wii u so it didn't have a really wide audience it was kind of criticized for its strange mechanics, but I was really eager to play it just based on the fact it was platinum and I never had a chance to play it. And how is it so, so far? I enjoy it for its sheer weirdness and it, it reminds me a lot of Beautiful Joe. I think there is a director I that uh, I don't know if Beautiful you played Beautiful Joe. Joe. I loved that yeah. game. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I have to be honest. And whew, oh, let me tell you, you sexy you should, Sally. You, yeah, <laughs> you need to you need to look that up uh, illegal. What are you? Um, because that it's kind of a side that, scroller director's yeah side scroller beat 'em up yeah. kind of movie or movie related thing. But it was at the time it was released, it was just so unique. It was awesome. Um, it was absolutely uh, awesome. Yeah, it was I have been clamoring for a remake of that game for so long. Well, you know what? Initially, I thought 
you know, I didn't think that you would be someone to check out this game initially. I thought it would be more Nerd Bomber's speed because she's more of a platinum gamer. She I was going to say Astral Chain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, she mentioned Astral Chain for Platinum. I don't know what her take is on any of the historical games from uh, from Platinum, but yeah, it's it's obvious that this game was built for the Wii U because there are some game mechanics that involve drawing out shapes. And <laughs> the PC and the PlayStation 4 are not designed for that. I mean, the touchpad, it allows you to try and use the touchpad, but it's easier to just use your left uh, or your right thumbstick to do, do the drawing. Right. So if you guys are going to play it, you should check it out on the Switch. I know you all, you guys all have Switches, but Woo. yeah, take a look at it. Take a look at the, at least the, the release trailer for the, the remastered version of that. But it's very strange and a lot of interesting, unique sort of platforming dynamics that are a lot of fun well i think that's the one thing Very that can weird. always be said about platinum is they always bring something kind of unique to the table all of their games i feel like are very oh, yeah. solid and very unique they're always different from the generic shooter or adventure game that's out there i feel like they always bring something special to the table so i, I agree with you platinum games is awesome now I yeah and even when they worked they worked with, they did a, a Metal Gear game that Hideo Kojima kind of passed off to Platinum, and they they kind of, uh, I forget, Metal Gear, Re- I think Revengeance. it was Rising Revengeance? Yeah. Yeah, which has one of the weirdest boss fights ever, where you fight a senator at the very end <laughs> of the game. So, but it's, but, it, but in the game itself and the game dynamics, very unique, and it was so much fun. I don't know if you guys ever played the game uh vanquish vanquish was a game that came out boy i want to say on the um xbox 360 yeah Yeah, it was last year i actually definitely own this game i just never played it i know actually illegal you bought this for me yeah it sounds right (laughs) yeah i'm looking at the list i have the list of platinum games open in front of me i've heard of vanquish i assume because i bought it for nerd bomber bayonetta is the one that I've heard of a lot. I've never, I don't think I've played a single game on this list, um, but I've heard of Bayonetta. I've heard of, I'm going to mispronounce this, Near Automata, maybe? Is that how it's pronounced? Ben, help me, help me here. I call it Near Automata. Not to Automata, yeah. Put the, yeah, put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, I've heard th- I've heard really great things about that one. But yeah, I, I mean, I know, yeah, I know Nerd Bomber's a platinum person. I'm, I'm much more of, my, my answer for the record is Naughty Dog, which is why, you know, transitioning from The Last of Us, you know, some of my favorite game experience ever have been The Last of Us and the Uncharted series, which I think those are like the only games they've done. Although I know there's one that I'm going to put them on Wikipedia now, but, you know, Naughty Dog, they just make games that they just scratch scratch the right itch for me. I, it's hard to kind of explain why they can quote unquote do no wrong to me, but man, were they? Je- were was that company Jack and Daxter? Yes. Did they yes. do Jack and Daxter? Jack and Daxter. Did you enjoy those? So I haven't played. All, all I them? didn't have a PlayStation Two. So that's that's the thing is like my PlayStation experience is solely PlayStation Four based. So I played all the Uncharted remasters and all of The Last of Us remaster and like you know i would highly recommend because they do have now i think they've remastered all of the jack and daxter collection and you can get that on your playstation 4 i think it's actually relatively cheap i actually 
bought Jack and Dexter the Precursor's Legacy again on the PlayStation 4 to play it. It was like five bucks. Definitely recommend if you don't mind revisiting like dated graphics and stuff. That was probably one of my favorite platformers growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And that that series in general was really good. There were a couple of other ones like wasn't wasn't uh, Ratchet Clank was around the same time, right? Ratchet and Clank is not um, is not Naughty Dog, but yeah, it's very pretty much exactly. Oh no, no, I I know, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like when Jack and Daxter was was really popular, there were a whole bunch that that general kind of style of game was was really popular. Oh well, yeah, and the one that I was like, the one that Sly Banjo Cooper Kazooie. was another game. Banjo Kazooie yeah, is the one like that all those because I was a Nintendo kid, so that one to me yeah. is one of the canonical platformers, right along with like Mario games. But yeah, like the, like you said, there were many in that category. Yeah, and Naughty Dog is is like a master of that craft, along with those other companies like Insomniac and things like that, where they do those kind of games very well. Well, so I, so I think, well, I, I shouldn't speak for Nerdbomber. Nerdbomber, what's what's your answer to this? You know, so what's your I ride love, or die? I love all genres of games. Like, if you guys have listened to the podcast, obviously, you know, I play pretty much everything and anything, and I enjoy anything that's just a well-done game. But Insomniac Games, probably because of how much I loved Ratchet and & Clank, and how that, I feel like that kind of crossed the barrier between a 3d platformer and like a a shooter type game kind of like jack and daxter did once they hit like jack two and three insomniac games has always kind of been up there i loved spyro even some of their flops that people considered were like the lowest point of their development career like fuse i actually really enjoyed that game i don't know why it was a cooperative shooter i thought it was great right and yeah. it got kind of like critically panned, but I had a lot of fun with the game. And even some of their their exploration into other genres, like Song of the Deep, I thought that was a good game too. Yeah. So especially then like kind of Spider-Man was their capstone recently that gave them a lot of attention because Spider-Man was just one of probably the best games that I've played in the last decade or so. I think Insomniac is probably the one right now that can do no wrong in my opinion and like there are a lot of other studios and as i was actually thinking about this during the day today there are other studios that i absolutely love like bioware i would love to say that they can do no wrong but then their last few handful of games like anthem as as much as they're staying on that game anthem is just a mess i mean they had good intentions and then just didn't deliver on it and even Mass Effect Andromeda, like I love Mass Effect. That is that will go down forever as my favorite game franchise. But Mass Effect Andromeda, while it was a good game, it just wasn't a, a true Mass Effect game. And so like Bioware, I wanted to say that was my studio that could do no wrong, but they kind of fell from grace lately. So I think Insomniac will have to take that that prize from me. So is that your honorable mention? Is is Bioware still, or I would is say there another so. one that you're? I would say Bioware yeah. is still my honorable mention, just because there there will always be a special place in my heart for games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age, and they were just such well polished, amazing in detail RPGs. And I don't think I've still had an experience quite like what I had when I played Mass Effect. Um, one one other question before you uh, for Nerd Bomber specifically. Um, did you play Sunset Overdrive? I played a bit of it. I would actually, uh, I really enjoyed that game. I really enjoyed the world of it. And then, like hardcore parkour. When we bought that game, was 
right around the time we also bought Fallout 4, because I didn't buy Sunset Overdrive right when it came out. I think I waited a bit on it. And then Fallout 4 came out and like consumed my life. And then I just have not gone back to Sunset Overdrive. But I, it's still one of those things, like as I'm working through my backlog now that I'm home, it's one of the games on my shortlist that I do want to take care of in the next few months because Insomniac yeah. is just so good. And I've heard great things about the game beyond like yeah. the first, I think I played five hours of it. Uh, ben, are, are right. you presumably you're a fan of Sunset Overdrive? Uh, no, no, I've never okay. played it. It's awesome. I, I, I recommend it. It's. A- it's a I'm, lot of everywhere. If I were to define, yeah. <laughs> you're all over the place. Yeah, and that's that's like those are the like you know Insomniac is one of those companies that I guess should be on my list for for you know companies that can do no wrong, but they've never done any wrong in my book. It's like right. I've I've played their things, and in my book, they haven't done any wrong. So <laughs> so it's just kind of like. Okay, I mean, when I when I see an Insomniac game, boom, I know it's going to be good. Right, I know it. So, but anyway. so yeah, that, that's what, that leaves tactic. So, what, what do you have for us, tactic? So, my choice might be sh- shrouded in controversy, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. And what I'm going with is Bethesda Game Studios, and the reason that's why universal. Yeah. The reason why I picked Boo, that hiss. Just, just calm down. I, I'm going to justify. <laughs> I'm going to justify both my decision and your boos and hisses. Um, All right. So the reason why I picked it is because they generally don't really diversify their portfolio. Their entirety is Elder Scrolls and Fallout, and recently they've just added Starfield into development, which we haven't seen yet, so we can't really even quantify it as part of their portfolio and so they stick to what works that said fallout 76 has been clamored as this flop i tend to disagree and the reason why i disagree is because on initial release of fallout 76 yes it had its problems but the studio heard the complaints and they rolled out a massive slew of updates to say hey we're listening to you we're working we want to make this a product that you enjoy and from that a fantastic community of fans had blossomed and so in my opinion i thought fallout 76 actually worked out quite well and was was on the same status quo of everything else that they had done they may have done wrong in some people's eyes but to do right by me is to make mistakes acknowledge it and correct it and in thus wiping the slate clean there i mean that with that logic i can almost kind of make bioware good in my eyes because they have been really keeping up on anthem like they aren't letting that game die they're updating it so maybe maybe bioware is still my champion Uh, have you been playing that uh anthem recently or no so it's funny that you asked that because i had literally was about to download it because it's like six bucks and then I noticed that the downloadable content is full price, but if you bought the game, it's six bucks. So I want to play it, but me being on, if it's not necessary, don't shop mode because of the pandemic, I just haven't purchased it. It sounds like for a me, Destiny situation because Destiny was the same way. You can get a copy of Destiny for like two bucks and then the DLC comes out and it's like however much, like 30, 40 bucks, you know? So it's, yeah, interesting business model. 
Sorry, with no Anthem, problem, I've been saying. kind of wary, and I know they've updated it since, but when it first came out, I was actually, like, we had pre-ordered it, and we canceled, because I don't know if you guys remember, but when Anthem first dropped, it was actually, like, frying and bricking people's PlayStations, and I was like, oh, man, like, for a $50, $60 game, I don't know if I want to brick my $300 PlayStation, so then I just never picked it up, and then I kind of followed the game since it released, and there was obviously a lot of controversy surrounding it. But there was nothing that really drew me back in. Like, I still haven't seen huge renovations to that game. And I think that's what it needed was huge renovations. There have been, there have been a lot of smaller content drops and updates and patches to make the game better. But right now, I think it kind of needs like a whole overhaul, in my opinion, for it to be worth my time. Because that kind of game, it's one of those games where you sink hundreds of hours potentially into it like it's not like Mm -hmm. a one-off 15 hour game it's a game that you have to invest time in and i don't know if i'm willing to invest time in a game where it's not totally finished or constantly evolving and updating and i don't know what i'm gonna get like then i would just fall back to something like destiny or something like the division if i really wanted to well destiny's had its own problems but but yeah I, i i think i don't know game models like that like I did have a while with Destiny that I was really, really enjoying it, but it it never ends, which is good for some people. For me, it, it is not. Um, and like you said, they're kind of always building new things onto it. And I don't know, not not really for me. But I, I guess in, in, in the interest of honorable honorable mentions, um, one studio that I wanted to mention that is now defunct is uh, LucasArts. Remember LucasArts, guys? Oh, yeah. Long gone now, but they used to put out, I mean that was kind of back in like my star wars heyday and like they came out with so many good nintendo games like shadows of the empire star wars racer clone wars star wars all the jedi outcast games i mean they owned the star wars property so any star wars game that came out at that time that was good was them like the battlefront 2 before before battlefront got redone and people love battlefront 2 it was like this crazy thing the rogue squadron games i mean they, they had so many and they also had some great indiana jones games like I really, really liked LucasArts. That was when I was a kid. That was my you can't do wrong uh, company. But anyways, yeah, that's that's kind of. I actually I want to add to that because one of my also can't do wrong companies is Double Fine Productions, and Tim Schafer worked at LucasArts and had a couple of games there that he worked on. Um, one of which was I believe Grim Fandango, and then also uh, full throttle mm-hmm. but one of one of my favorite lucas arts games of all times is day of the tentacle which was a lot of fun i like a lot of those point and click adventures yeah I, I did play a lot of the star wars games too like uh you know x-wing versus tie fighter and all those mm-hmm. back in the old days and those were really a lot of fun but i just want to mention double fine because that's one of those companies where i'm looking forward really excitedly to Psychonauts 2 and I've been wanting that game for so long and keeping my fingers crossed it sounds like they're still working on it every day still putting polish to it it sounds like it's 2020 is what I get when I google it so it sounds like it's close yeah yep and what I saw when I was at PAX um, as far as just the demo that they that they played for us looked really cool too and you know that was even before they put this much time into more polish, more polish. Mm-hmm. So, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, looking looking forward to that, really. So, we are now at the point where, well, we can do it. We can do a quick round of, of what are you up to updates. Uh, mine is really short. Still playing Starlink. And 
it's going to be a beefy game. That that's what I can report. There's a lot of game there. I'm I'm really liking it. It's it's like Destiny and Ships. Is my it's Destiny and Ships without the the MMO aspects. It's just you go to planets. There's a lot of side quests. You can discover things. It's a lot more open worldy than Destiny, I guess. But it's I don't know. To me, it has a similar vibe. There's a lot of customization. Is the focus on ship to ship combat? Yeah, yeah. Almost uh, you you never leave your ship. Uh, so it's just you know you're kind of bombing around in a ship and you you put certain new guns on it and you add mods to your weapons and it's that kind of game so i'm i'm really enjoying that i'll be playing it for quite a while so expect to hear about it more i also bought what remains of edith finch but i haven't started it yet i kind of bought it on a whim as one of those like nintendo store sales that i was like yeah you know it seems cheap and i've heard good things about it so we'll see how that goes uh nerd bomber what do you have so i've still been playing greedfall still been watching chuck my major other update i guess would be i I read a book called a man called ove i think it's ove ove i don't know it's a swedish name yeah i think it's ove okay and i heard very good things about this book it's written by frederick bachman who also wrote the beartown series of books and i really enjoyed those books so i picked this one up and it was a very emotional roller coaster. Did not expect to be hit in the feels so hard as I was by this book. Um, I think I read it in like a day and a half because it's fairly short. It's like maybe a five, six hour read through based on what my Kindle was telling me. And so I, I blasted through in a couple days and it was a very emotional tearjerker and 10 out of 10 recommend if you want to feel things. <laughs> it was just yeah. so sad. I believe it. Sound, sounds like the kind of, I mean, my like tear-jerking book is Marley and Me. Uh, I can't imagine a book jerking my tears more than that, but like, I feel like I, don't, I can't I don't really describe know. it because any, anything I would describe would kind of spoil it a little bit. So I feel like you just kind of have to go into that book and just read it, but know that you're going to feel feels. Duly noted. Okay. Sad. Let's tactics. Cheer us up. <laughs> what do you have? What do you have for us? So as I had mentioned last week, I had started working on a wizard staff, which had some circuitry behind it. And that kind of reinvigorated my tinkering that I used to do in college and then life hit me. And so I've dusted off that box and I've started breaking out my old Arduino and things like that. And I also purchased a Raspberry Pi. So hopefully my uh, in the next coming weeks, I'll be telling you guys about some projects that I've worked on and potentially be rolling out some videos um, of what comes from it. So we'll see depending on the shipping duration. Hype. Uh, Ben, anything to add? I I know you were talking about the Um, wonderful 101. Yeah, I I bought myself uh, a few games for my upcoming birthday. So um, that's the wonderful 101. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. My birthday's also coming up. It's actually... Yeah, it's actually on Sunday for me. So wow, very exciting. Um, yep. Yeah, not so excited about the age, but let's not talk about it. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, I bought uh, myself that. I, for some reason, I bought Street Fighter, Street Fighter Five, because I remember a lot of having a lot of fun with the Street Fighter games. So I kind of purchased that on a whim. And then also a Streets of Rage 4. Because generally side-scroll and beat-em-ups back in the arcade days were always kind of my favorite. So, you know, they had little strange little, like, self-contained stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like the sort of the birth of storylines in games, I would say, is those side-scroll and beat-em-ups. So, 
Yep, it's playing Streets of Rage 4, Wonderful 101, enjoying those. Uh, lots of, so, lo- yeah, that's what I'm up lots to. Lots of fighting. <laughs> well, good, good luck. Yeah, lots of fighting. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep your fists up. <laughs> Word. So we're going to talk today, so, so we're going to move on to the quiz segment to, to, to round things out. Uh, and as I mentioned before, I'll be hosting today. And this is the first week in, in many weeks that we weren't given a, a topic by, by Ben, because Ben will be competing, obviously. Uh, so I went ahead and, and took some creative license and did what I often do when I'm trying to think of quiz topics, which I looked up on the day that we're recording this. What is like, you know how they're like, it's National Something Day. Well, today is National Solitaire Day, guys. <laughs> the beloved card game that you play by yourself. And I took it upon myself to put together a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions. And there's also a bonus round if we have a tie about the lovely game of Solitaire. So let's dive right into this all of these questions are going to be price is right style meaning if you go over you bust closest one who's under wins wins the point wins the question so first of all let's talk about uh obviously first thing we need to talk about is when solitaire showed up when it was first developed for microsoft pcs in what year did solitaire first show up on microsoft pcs we're going to give ben last ups because he's our guest and that's an advantage so nerd bomber in what year okay i feel like this is probably 1993 okay tactic uh that's too late 1984 and our good friend ben yeah it's um i'm sorry what were the previous answers uh nerd bomber said 93 tactic said 1984 i'm going to be a little risky here and say 1990 1990 ben i got bad news for you uh, you barely busted. You were so close. It was 1989. Uh, so Tactic, unfortunately, gets I was, the point. I was right there. You were, I was thinking. You were right there. Tactic, you were right. Nerd Bomber was, was too too late. Ben, just barely too late. Uh, so Tactic is first on the board with that one. Let's move on to question two. Very similar question. What is the highest score that you can earn in a standard Microsoft Solitaire play? You can earn a score? <laughs> I thought you just like won or didn't win. No, there is scoring and there is a maximum score that you can earn. It's kind of a hint, but it is the most random number I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Tactic, you will go first this time. Let me think about it. I'm aware that you have absolutely no sense of scale here and I'm, I'm really excited to hear what you come up with. Give me one second. I believe I know the answer to this. Boy, this should be interesting. What what are you doing over there on your phone? I'm doing math. Uh Uh-huh. Like the story. Watch him. Put an asterisk on this one if, if, if he wins doing math if he gets it exactly that's yeah there's no way he's gonna get it exactly i'd be shocked i'd really like to know what kind of math you're doing over there he literally is he's just like typing random things into the calculator and i don't I, really I understand gotta, and plus how long is this is there a timer yeah how, how, yeah, how long is this gonna timer. take <laughs> technically i'm gonna need your answer 312 312 okay interesting ben what do you have let's see 500 wait so 652 okay uh, Nerd Bomber. I'm going to say 424 because it's like a number palindrome thing and I'm just feeling it. So Okay, so uh, Ben gets the point. None of you were even close. It is 24,113, <laughs> which I just think is the funniest thing ever. What? Where did they get the 13 from? I have no idea. Um, I, well, I, I could have found out. There was a whole For the record, I didn't finish that... my math. <laughs> oh, God. 
Um, so, okay, so bent on the board. Well, 13, 13 is the number of cards in a particular uh, suit. suit, right? Could, That's, could that be. would be, yeah. Well, so so my, my next question might illuminate this further. So um, in Windows Solitaire, bonus points are awarded at the end of the game based on time to completion. However, there is a number below which no points are awarded, meaning if you finish the game too fast, you don't get any bonus points. In how many seconds, what is that limit? And then you will go first this time. In how many seconds? Seconds. You can finish a game of solitaire in seconds. That is the implication. <laughs> I never, I never have myself, but yeah, that's 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 pretty pretty high speed. I'm gonna say five or yeah, five seconds. Okay, uh, a nerve bomber. Which seems ridiculous, but at risk of busting, I'm going to say 45 seconds. And tactic two seconds. Ben gets the point again. Did, are you sure? It Yay! is 30 seconds, guys. Um, you either two f- flew too high or too low. Uh, so yeah, if you finish a game of solitaire in under 30 seconds, you get no time bonus points. I guess because they assume you cheated if you finish in less than 30 seconds. I don't really know what the implication is there. But how do you even cheat with solitaire? I, computers. Hacking? I... I <laughs> Bummer, I've done but like that. who is hacking solitaire like what benefit do you get from hacking solitaire not a clue i think i think clippy if clippy helps you yeah then yeah that then you're <laughs> then you're not gonna so getting any points. okay so here's where we're at we've done three questions right now the score is tactic uh one point ben two points nerd bomber you got to get in the game here uh so let's move on to the next question Around how many different variations of solitaire are there? And th- for the record, this is a number that I read online is there are over blank different variations of solitaire. So I'm just I'm looking for that number. I don't know exactly how many there are. And uh, we're back to Nerd Bombers now. So Nerd Bomber will go first. Okay, so I myself will do a little bit of math here. There's 13 cards in each suit and there's four different suits. And if I remember correctly, I'm trying to visualize the playing board. I think so, there's... Hang, hang on, let me, let me clarify something for you because you're... You misunderstood the questions. Variations meaning how many different ways can you play solitaire? Meaning, like, I'll give you two examples. Like, you can play Klondike, which is the standard one, and then there's oh. Freefell. I'm, I'm, oh, oh, oh. I'm, I'm not asking about card permutations. We'd be here all day. Uh, <laughs> That's that what I thought you were getting at. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, I think there's, like, 15. I Once upon a time, and th- this is, like, an offshoot story, but when I was, like, eight, my brother and his girlfriend at the time thought it was for whatever reason really smart to get me a solitaire kit i don't know if i just look like a lonely kid or what whatever in the world <laughs> and it literally it was like in this box that had an atlas on it brother hasn't changed much <laughs> and it was basically just like several decks of cards and a book explaining how to play like a several different types of solitaire a so solitaire i want to say there's kit? 15 <laughs> Holy crap, your siblings thought you were a total loser. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like eight years old or whatever. Like, I don't know how that loser, like that line of like, oh, she's only ever going to play solitaire for the rest of her life. Like, I don't know how that distinction was made, but Spot apparently on. it was. So, okay, so I think so based it's like on, 15. Based on a, a frankly appalling amount of personal evidence, uh, Nerd Bomber <laughs> is saying 15. Tactic, what do, you, what do you have? I think that's low. I'm going to go with 40. And finally, Ben. Um, I'm going to go 41. Yeah, Ben's got the right idea. None of you were even close again. Ben gets another point. Solitaire is also known as patience in Europe. That's just a fun fact. It's not a question. There are over 1,000 variations on solitaire. So you're telling me that gift sucked because it only gave me 15 different types of solitaire? 
You know what? That's exactly what I'm telling you. One hundred percent. So, okay, guys, at this point, you better talk to the manager because that's that's horrible. I had a feeling it was much higher, but I wanted to play it safe and not bust. I didn't think I was gonna be countered with a forty-one. Well, here's where we stand. Okay, we've done four questions out of the seven. If Ben gets the next question right, he wins. Uh, that uh, that's the landscape here. So, nerd bomber tactic. Uh, pull yourselves together. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. This next question is kind of complicated. Well, actually, no, I'll save that one for later. So I already mentioned in Europe, solitaire is called patience. And the earliest written record of the card game patience appeared in a German game anthology in what year? Now, remember, if you go too late, as in too close to the current time, you bust. Uh, and Tactic is the is a starter for this one. In what year? Did the game 1400 1400 is is tactics answer ben i'm gonna say um 1700 and nerd bomber i'm gonna say 1701 okay nerd bomber playing the cheap strategy gets a point it's Finally. 1788 <laughs> 1788 uh so ben you were right in the ballpark nerd bomber i guess slightly more in the ballpark tactic on the other side of town looking at the ballpark through binoculars so okay so the, the game is still alive. Ben has not yet won the game, uh, but he's right on the doorstep of doing so. So we're down to my last two questions. These are probability-based questions. So I don't know, Tactic, get out your phone calculator. How many games of Klondike Solitaire are considered unsolvable? I'm looking for a, a fractional number, say, to like one over something. One, one in every blank games are considered unsolvable, meaning there's no possible way to win. And this time we're starting with Ben. One in every how many games? Boy, I don't even I don't even know. Um, I'm not familiar with Klondike, so I don't know what that involves. Klondike is if you've, um, if you've ever played Solitaire, you've probably played Klondike. I think it's like the standard. It's it's kind of like this ice cream oh, sandwich God. thing. Yeah, I'd use a calculator for one of those <laughs> Klondike bar. Anyway, um, let me. See. So one in every 150 games. Okay. Nerd Bomber? I'm going to say probably a fifth of all games. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Sorry. Oh, man. I'm like blanking super hard. What is the fraction for like 8%? It'd be like one in... It would be... Okay, I'll go with that. Eight over 100. Yeah, whatever, whatever that is. Just math it's about for me. It's, it's, about, it's about 1 in 12. Okay, um, I'll do that. So, okay. Uh, that leaves us with Tactic. What was the number that Ben did? I have Vengeance on 1 in line. 150 was what Ben 1 in 151. Okay, Tactic's a jerk. He gets the point. <laughs> it is 1 in 400. So, that, that puts us at the last question. We have Tactic at 2 points. Ben at three, Nerd Bomber at one point. Nerd Bomber just playing the spoiler at this point. So, prob- pro- statisticians, I shouldn't, I was about to say probabilisticians, which is not a word. Statisticians have taken to attempting to determine what the probability is of winning what they call thoughtful Klondike. And what, what thoughtful Klondike means is you know the positions of all the cards, you know where every card is, and you just have to, you know, move the cards the right way to win it. In that scenario, where you know where everything is and you have perfect information, what is the probability of winning? Now, this is different than the question I asked before. Um, 
This is, you know, where everything is. What is, what are the chances of winning if you have perfect information? And this time we're starting with Nerd Bomber again. Oh boy. <laughs> you did, you did so well in the last question. So <laughs> this topic is clearly not my forte. Um, I'm going to say 65%. Can I do that? Okay. Uh, tactic. One in every 12 games. So 8%. And uh, Ben, that leaves us with you. I'm going to say, um, you said 8%? Tactic said 8%, yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say 9%. (laughs) Okay, guys, uh, we have a winner. Nerd Bomber gets the point. It's 82%. Are you serious? if, If you know where everything is, it's extremely easy to win solitaire. So what that means, though, is that Ben is our winner with a score of 3 to 2 to 2. I'm pretty sure every time Ben has come on this show and played in the quiz, he has won. Uh, the streak is still alive. Congratulations to Ben. Go play around solitaire to celebrate. All, all of you listeners out there can do that as well. Sadly, we'll never know what the bonus round question was because it's a little lengthy. And I think we're running short on time and we have a clear winner. But it's been an absolute pleasure to have Ben here today. Hopefully you had a pleasure, pleasure listening to both us and him. Ben, we want to thank you for, for showing up and uh, for continuing to support us. Yeah, thank you guys for doing what you're doing. I, I, I enjoy, enjoy your your content and continue doing it well thank you so much so uh, one thing i haven't mentioned throughout this entire episode are our twitter handles so if you want to get in touch with any of us you can head over to twitter <laughs> to start uh we have an uh, our main account is at online warriors one we also have at ow illegal 86 which is me of course at ow nerd bomber and at ow tactic if you want to get in touch with us uh, another way to get in touch with us would be to leave us a review on apple podcasts uh whether you like the show whether you hate it whether you're in love with tactic that's the place to let us know uh sorry tactic i don't know i kind of threw you under the bus there no that's fine. natural so yeah we want to thank you guys so much for listening we're not going anywhere hopefully you're not either uh so we'll talk to you guys next week see you next week